comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Jersey Shore Podcast. Welcome to Jersey Shore. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined as usual by... A really tired Pierce. Yes, it's about uh, 12.30 in the morning, which is why the episode that will be posted today, which is 46, will be slightly late. Cause, uh, slightly. We've been watching the world's slowest, longest movie? Uh, probably, yes. Well, we'll get into it. I, I should say, I really like the movie, but it is it is very slow. First off, we should say welcome back to our Netflix series, where we look at Netflix movies available on Instant Watch in three sections. First, in a mostly spoiler-free section. Second, we talk about movies and video games and TV shows and anything else that reminds us of the thing we just watched. So if you like the thing we just watched, you might want to check out these other things. Or if you already liked those things, you might like this as well. Yeah. And then finally, we will talk about it in a completely a spoiler-filled section where we talk about every last twist and turn of the movie, if they have them. This one doesn't really have that many big twists, but... It has some reveals, but some reveals, I mean, they're, yeah. not, they're not mind-bending reveals. No, you could guess in the ballpark of exactly. what they were going to be. Yeah. So, what movie are we watching this week, Pierce? Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Now, we should be clear. First off, we should yes. apologize, I guess. I don't know yes. if apologies right the right word, but we said we were going to watch True Grit, both the original both and the remake. Yes. However, as of, I believe, January 1st, neither one is on Netflix Instant anymore. Yeah. It happens, we apologize, but instead we substituted another Western, um, a very well-regarded Western, Once Upon a Time in the yes. West. What did you say the Netflix, uh, the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score uh, was? 98. 98% fresh. Uh, that's got to be certified fresh at 98%. Yeah. 1968 Sergio Leone film, um, written yep. by, among other people, Dario Argento, which I guess I'm wrong, because I looked it up uh, a little bit during the movie, but... He writes a lot more than horror, but I thought of him as mostly a horror writer, director type yeah. person. Hey, I mean Stephen King. His his what he calls his magnum opus is a western. That's so, true, but it's got a lot of horror. And well, that's in it. true. That's true. So, Once Upon a Time in the West. Yes, this movie. Well, let me. All right, so let me explain how <laughs> yeah, I chose ahead. this. All right, so this is not a film I've seen before. What is a western? <laughs> And I learned what a cowboy was. No, all right, so... They had these things called horses. It was I, weird. Yeah, I don't understand it. But, all right, I really just typed Western into Netflix. And there were a couple options, and there was a Clint Eastwood. And I was like, eh, maybe, but the, the cover was really campy. Now, granted, that's the majority of Westerns. But then I looked up one, Once Upon a Time in the West, and I was like, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. They don't favor things very often, so let's go with that one. And then we went with that one, and we just watched it. And it's two hours and 46 minutes. It is quite long, and you feel every minute. Every. You might even feel some extra minutes in there. It's, yes. It's, it's, no, it's... I really did. Like, someone sent me a text, and I thought, oh, I should have responded to that. Oh, it must have been like an hour ago. It was less than 30 minutes. <laughs> so, yes, you definitely invented minutes in that. That said... I like this movie. I, I agree. What I'm not entirely sure why in a lot of places, but I really <laughs> did like this movie. It was just so stretched. And I think what it is, is the entire first half could have been summed up in 15 minutes. The first 30 minutes could have been summed up in two. 
That's like, if, very if this true. movie were to be remade no, but today, see, I actually liked that. Like, oh, I agree. In the moment, a lot of the things that were really long worked. But I'm saying that. All right, so we should say that the first the movie opens up in a very tiny train station and with an, an inordinate <laughs> amount of doors in weird places. <laughs> it was so weird. And the the ticket keeper, a random Native American lady who ran away, and then these three crooks come in and. They just wait for the train, and wait for the train. And they, like, don't tie up the, the ticket taker, but they, like, throw him in a closet or so something, So he can't, right? like, scream to look out or whatever, yeah. Or send a telegram exactly. or something. Yeah, so they just wait, and it's probably, what, like, five minutes? Feels like ten, but probably closer yeah. to five or seven. And, and and that I appreciate, and if they had just done that, done a short summation, and then done a little bit more of that, I would have been fine. But every single scene was that. It was every single scene had its own establishing shots. And granted, it was a beautiful landscape, but it was so much establishing that I'm like, I, I got it. They're in the desert. Cool. Can we move on from this now? A, a lot of establishing, a lot of long, silent or mostly silent scenes. And to be fair... They there was a lot of things in this movie where like why are we spending two minutes with this and then later they'd pay it off yeah and it was like oh okay but still I mean if this movie were to be remade today it would have an hour chopped off of it easily oh absolutely and I think it would probably lose something for that like there, a lot of those shots like I said they do pay off they do add atmosphere and tone and all those things but at the same time a lot of them could have been like a lot of ten minute scenes could have been chopped by two or three minutes. Easily. Well, like the the widow. I mean, what? Yeah, what can we say? Well, okay. So start off at this train station, and they're they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. Guy gets off the train. They more they, waiting. They, they wait some more, and then he shoots and kills all three of them, and yeah. he gets wounded. And we just move to another place completely, completely to this possibly bipolar, <laughs> apparently Irish man named McBain. Yeah, who is setting up a feast. For his his wife is about to arrive on the train. His wife children have not be. met them. Wife to be. Well, no, no. They 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 reveal later. Later, later. Not too much later. Yeah. That the marriage already happened a month earlier. But the children have not met her yet, and he's alternately being nice to his children yeah. and then like yelling at them for no reason, slapping them. And... It was yeah, with like cartoon sound effects. <laughs> it was kind of funny. I was waiting for a biff bam pow to appear on the screen, but then. Uh, after spending another 10, what felt like 10, 15 minutes, again, was probably 5 to 7 with them, yeah. they all get gunned down. <laughs> yeah. And, and now, let me say, as with everything in this movie, very artistically done, very beautifully done, very big emphasis. You said, you know, it's a lot of, you know, silence. It, but it's not silence because every scene that is silent has background noise. And not even just the music, but powerful use of... Small noises and whatnot. Ambient noise, the bugs. And yeah, the exactly. Cicadas, stuff like that. And when then there is silence, you know something's up. It was very well crafted in that, but every single scene could have probably had three minutes chopped off of it, and it would have made a lot shorter of a movie. Like, the, when the widow goes through the house that she's never been to full of stuff, there was two separate scenes of that. Why did we need two separate scenes of that? Right, you know? I mean, and one of them definitely paid off. The other one just showed that she was sad. Yeah, about ch- the dead children she'd never met. Which don't get me wrong, that's still sad. Yeah, but did we need to spend ten minutes on it? No, we definitely did not. Um, so, so the family gets gunned down. She arrives at the train station. No one's there to meet her. 
she takes a long ride. There's some side steps where we meet some other characters. She eventually gets to the farm, and basically the rest of the movie is some people want this farm for various reasons. Yeah. Some other people want those people dead. Some other people want those people dead. And it's just this big... I, I don't want to say fight because that implies action. Yeah. But it's a There's... big disagreement over who's going to walk away with this farm. This land, specifically, we yeah. should say. Now, now let me say... I, I you know... I think I mentioned before when when I said that we would be doing True Grit, True Grits, um, and if they ever get back, put back on Netflix, I'd still love to. Oh do yeah, that I, I, I agree. Their licenses expire from time to time, yeah. and sometimes they'll have a movie for six months and then they're not for the next six, and then they'll have it again yeah. for six. So, uh, like I said, if it shows yeah. up again, either one of them, I'd love uh, to. Love now, to I so westerns. Western is a is a pretty defined trope. As is the spaghetti western, which is what this movie is. Yes. Now, and this we were just talking about before uh, a moment ago when your sister was here. Um, and now, my understanding was spaghetti western was a western done by anyone that was not themselves American, originating with Sergio Leone being Italian, but expanding to anyone else that did that. Am I wrong in my I, understanding of that? I think you're correct. You know, it was originally a bunch, or a bu- several. Western movies made by primarily Italian creative mm-hmm. forces, and then that expanded over time. Once once you had a style that was established by then, them anyone recreating that style, regardless of where they're from, yeah. that became the spaghetti western. Um, but even outside of that, just the western trope in general is very defined. In that you have, if you can say the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, to to reference that film. And there are certain things that happen to them. You have the the high noon showdown. You have, you know, the man in black, the man in white. It's it's very defined tropes, and that movie hit all the notes, and it was very color themed and well as well in that. Yes, oh, um, right down to shadows, shadows, colors that showed you know youth and different age, and uh, you know you had the main character who you never well I I wouldn't say he's the main character I guess, but the, the harmonica. Harmonica, the the white knight, if you will, because a lot of a lot of westerns are, you know, I don't want to say medieval fantasy stories, but it's the white knight, it's the black knight, it's you know, and it's the man with no name, which we clearly have here, exactly, you yeah. know, the mysterious stranger who comes into town on a mission and finding out what that mission exactly. is a big part of it. That that being the man yeah. who gets off the train in the beginning exactly. and shoots the other three who are and ready to and kill then him. you have the you know the neutral character who ends up being good. Well, I should say the gray area character. Um, I keep wanting to say Chaney. Hi, Chaney. That's your shout <laughs> Cheyenne. Out. Cheyenne. Which is weird because that's my female cousin's name. So that's confusing to me. But I understand the names can be both. Like Richard. No. Um, I, that wasn't like, like Jordan? Yes, like Jordan. <laughs> or um, Courtney. Or Courtney. Courtney is a male's name until the last hundred years or so. I Okay, that's just weird. Right. You know, a lot. Lindsay, Courtney, a lot of those names Lindsay? are tra- traditionally male Gaelic names. That's weird. It's. It wasn't until a hundred years ago when all of a sudden that became women's names. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, point being, uh, Cheyenne, who apparently can shave and not look at anything. Yes. Big, big scene towards the end of him shaving and then being told, "Oh, you look so much younger and nicer." He, he didn't we shave. know he shaved, but he looks exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> Except he cut his cheek. Like that is the extent of the difference. Oh my word! It's so weird. But. Yeah, we keep ripping on it, but it was good. I like, liked this movie, but it was weird in a lot of a lot of the choices it made. I went, 
well, you certainly stand out. <laughs> you certainly made and stood by your choice. I don't get the choice. Like, I kind of like it, but like, it doesn't make any yeah, sense. It, it, but it, see, it also did a very Doctor Horrible thing, where with the musical with numbers? the where everyone has a, a musical thing. They do all, every major character has a musical. Th- well. Most of the major characters have a musical the three. theme. I should say the three main good characters. The main good guy, the main bad guy, and the woman. Who I well, wouldn't necessarily no. say no. is good or evil. No, because Cheyenne had the banjo music. Oh, that's true. Okay, so then what, what was what was? I don't the think the bad theme? guy had a theme. I think it was whoever he was dealing with at that time. That's actually probably a good point. And then at the end, all those musical themes come together, which is something that I always love. And when they're played at the same time, and all of a sudden you realize that they all even though they seem disparate, all do share those same similarities and can be played at the same time and make a, another culminating And that piece works until you have a borderline rape scene. Well, yeah, with really inappropriate, semi-happy banjo music playing underneath yeah, of it. And it then later, weird. a death scene with the same <laughs> inappropriate, semi-happy banjo music playing. Weird. It was so... It was so odd. I, I don't understand that. And now you, you brought up the rape scene. So let's talk about the sexual politics in this movie. Yeah. Because they're strange. Yeah. <laughs> they're weird. This movie, and I don't know if it's a 1968 thing. I don't know if it's an Italian thing. I don't know if it's just this movie's thing. <laughs> but I don't know how to feel about them except uncomfortable. The main female character uh, is... We, we might get pretty spoiler Should Should we so. save this for the for the spoiler section then? All right, I think, yeah, I think we've said all that we can say without being getting into more spoilers. It, so. it's, it's a gorgeous movie. It is yes. beautifully shot. There is great attention paid to detail. The The cinematography is undoubtedly amazing. And, and, and the matte paintings are gorgeous. I don't think they were. I think like they were. No, there were, was a lot of matte paintings in this movie. Really? Because they look like real shots. If you know what to look for, there was definitely a lot of matte paintings. Okay. Many of them of real places yeah. and things. And, and this is an iconic Western. I mean, you have seen the same buttes and vistas yeah. in, in Red Dead. We talked a lot about Red Dead Redemption. I was about to say, we'll probably get that um, recommendation. And there's definitely, you can go, oh, I know exactly where that is in Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. You know, the devil's tongue or devil's hand or whatever it's called. I thought um, it was like the devil's chair or something. Devil, like yeah, the devil's in there somewhere. <laughs> um, Every country has their own devil something. Like in El Salvador, so, I climbed devil's doorway. Like it's, The rock formations something. and stuff. Yeah. But gorgeously shot movie, great attention paid to detail. The acting was pretty good. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody stood out, stood out as being a bad actor, except maybe the guy who looked like Jack Black. But a lot of it had to do with <laughs> there's there's a lot of ADR, which for anybody who doesn't know, yeah. that's additional dialogue replacement. I've seen several different acronyms for it, but basically, it's where they filmed something and the audio either didn't come out because the set was noisy, or there was wind, or they wanted to change dialogue. Well, the other editing. thing is, yeah, there was a restoration process. Uh, process done right. on this movie, and it, it's a well, I don't say disclaimer at the beginning, but it's a thank you, or, or the you know restoration was done by this company and these people. Right. So yeah, it was restored at one point, and, and there are a number of scenes, not too many, but three or four, where it's either ADR that is just that. from 1968 and more obvious than it would be today, or it's a quarter second out of sync, or it's just mixed yeah. weird. But yeah, there are a number of scenes. Not the ones you'd expect, not the ones out in the open where you'd expect yeah. there to be wind or loud background noise, but ones in controlled sets that but see, it's just I, out of sync. I, I thought more about it, and it's definitely, it was moments of yelling, and it was moments when the characters were shifting. They were yelling about something, turning quickly, 
you know. Do you think it was maybe just the camera rig was loud or something? Or maybe when they turned or when they moved, it didn't catch all of it in the same way. Or, or another thing I said when we were when we were watching the movie was possibly it was that they just didn't like the perform the delivery of that that's, line. That's and they a good to point. Yeah. Re-record it later. Um, you, you never know. Sometimes when you have a uh, director who English is not their first language, you do run into those problems. Sometimes, I mean, the prime example would be Fahrenheit 451, which was directed by a man who did not speak English and directed the entire movie phonetically. Thus, the performances are sometimes very strange. (laughs) The whole movie was pretty bad, though. It's a a great short story or book, depending on how you want to to frame it. That's all enough for a book. But the movie is strange. The movie was awful. It's certainly not the worst Ray Bradbury movie adaptation. That would be A Sound of Thunder, but that's an entire... Now I have that YouTube video stuck in my head. Which... Me, Ray Bradbury. Oh. <laughs> By uh, Rachel Bloom, I believe. Wow, you remember her name. I have her right. album. It's really funny, actually. Um, and not for children. But, yes. Um, if you're a Ray Bradbury fan, Google um, Rachel Bloom, Ray Bradbury. Very yes. good stuff. So, I guess with that said, let's move over to the recommendation section, shall we? Yeah. So, if we're in the recommendation portion, let me ask, who would you recommend this movie to, then? People with patience. Yes, yes. Uh, people who like westerns. Mm-hmm. Film buffs, certainly. Yeah, I was about to say, it would really have to be film buffs. Is who I would, would not recommend this to your average person our age. Yeah, I mid- agree. Mid-20s or something. I would not recommend it to many female audiences because... We'll get into, like I said, the sexual politics later, but yeah. they're just, un- for me, they're uncomfortable, and I don't want to speak for women, but I, I'd imagine that that would be even more uncomfortable, Yeah, because it's strange. But yeah, film buffs, western fans, and people with a lot of patience. Yeah. Thinking through a lot of westerns, it's its own creature, and I think people that are fans of westerns probably would have seen this. I mean, I think... Specifically spaghetti westerns, because there, yes. there is a marked difference. The, there, is, there is a difference. You know, there's a big difference between, you know, Sergio Leone and, you know, your American tropes, which are... Like John, John Wayne. John Wayne, John Ford-directed films. Well, yeah, in, in America, there's really two styles of westerns. There's John Wayne's, and there's Clint Eastwood's. And Clint Eastwood's really won out, especially even... In today's society, it's the darker, it's the more violent and whatnot. But spaghetti westerns are their own creature. But if you're a fan of westerns, you know, if you like John Wayne movies, I don't know if you'd like this. But if you would also say that you enjoy, I can't think of a, a good word for it, but if, you know, being a film buff, like film literature, I guess, for lack of a better term. If, if you are interested in the language of film and how it developed, yes. absolutely, this is yes. a film you should watch. Most definitely. Because, I mean, the gorgeous three shots and... and, and um, a lot of one shots and three shots, particularly. I was about to say not a lot, lot of close two, up, but and and good uses of extreme close ups as well. Also, one that was really awkward. Which <laughs> remember which the one? one zoom that you were like, oh, oh that, it was like it, it was had to so adjust even, yeah. It had to adjust halfway through to end up where they wanted it to be, <laughs> and it was and it was shooting through like a lace curtain thing, yeah. And so it was very strange and and off putting. Yeah, it really was. But mostly the zooms, you know that that you know the two gunmen are about to duel. Yeah, and the, it zooms the in on their eye eyes cuts and, and the, yeah, mm-hmm. and Bigfoot was in the movie. <laughs> we'll get into that in spoilers, I guess. Um, <laughs> but even that was that was confusing, but well done. Yes, um, there was a number of things in this movie that we went, what? And then later on we went, oh, okay, that okay, makes yeah, that, that makes that, total that, sense. That, that brought that okay. around. It was strange for the last half yeah. an hour, but now I get it. 
Yeah, so as far as who I would recommend it to, if you really like westerns, like if they're really your thing, you probably would have seen it by now, but if not, give it a shot. And if you just like quality film in general, if you were a fan of cinematography, you know, film literature, whatever you want to call it, I would recommend that. So, but not, don't, don't just be all like, hey honey, what you want to do tonight? I don't know, want to watch Once Upon a Time in the West? Absolutely, that sounds like a golly gee good time. No, it's not a date movie or anything like that. No, or or a buddy film movie, no. So, that's that. Although, I would say watching with my buddy, being you, well, that's it was true. a lot of fun being able to be like, wait, what, what just happened? What? Or, or, you know, doing a little bit Mystery Science Theater 3000 I was about commentary. To say, yeah. More on my part, which was really bugging you, especially <laughs> in the beginning. In the beginning. Like, after a while, when I got frustrated, I was totally fine with it. But in the very beginning, I'm like... This is a really powerful shot, and then you're making comments. I'm like, ah, shut up. But after a while, I was Once like, Once you yeah. realized that those shots were going to keep going, and you could check in five minutes later and get that same shot, you were fine with it. That was the thing. Because, like, I even said to you that at one point, because we were, we were talking to ask questions, I'm like, wait, they're actually talking? Something probably important is going on. In about two yeah, seconds, cause it'll be five minutes of silence, and we can talk this all This movie's like two hours, 46 minutes long. Yeah. Probably less than. 75 pages of dialogue, which yeah. uh, in, in Hollywood terms, a page of dialogue approximately equals a minute. I was about to say, I would say it was probably around an hour of dialogue, yeah. So, yeah, and yeah. 60 to 75 then. So let's move into our actual recommendations. Yeah, section I was about to say, we keep getting off track. Where we, where we recommend similar movies. You brought up while we were watching it, There Will Be Blood. Yes. A movie that I would say makes this seem fast-paced, although I also like There Will Be Blood. <sighs> See, I did not care for There Will Be Blood. Um, and our friend Dave, who's been on the show before, yeah. we saw it together in theaters. Not me. You yeah, yeah, Dave, Dave and I, myself. Uh, we saw it in a really nice theater, actually. The Ritz in, um, yeah. I forget what town it's that's now in. now the Rave in Voorhees. Voorhees. A very nice theater. Um, and we both exited going, I think I hated this movie. Then we went to a diner, because it was like three in the morning or something, and we sat there for an hour and a half talking about it, and by the end we were both like, I think I really liked this movie. Really? Just okay. by discussing it. Um, it's it's another one. You need to have patience. Yes. Um, you need to be fine with long stretches of nothing happening. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, that one is much more of a character dissection, a character study. Yeah. And you have to. This is not be okay with a movie about a miserable man who is miserable the entire time and miserable at the end. <laughs> like I, no, I would say at the very end, he's very happy with himself. Oh, that end scene. I hate... I'm like, really? This is how it ends? Like, this is the resolution? I'm finished. Like, alright, so you have to understand something. I like resolution. I like comeuppance. And yeah, you can argue what happened in the end was a form of comeuppance. Certainly for the other character. Yes. But it was just a dude being miserable for like three hours. And I'm like, why did I watch this? Like, there was nothing valuable in that. And so, yeah, I met where you were walking out of the theater, and I have not had a conversation to bring me around to the other side of it. So, so that's one. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's. I wouldn't say that's a full western. I'd say that's a movie set in the west, but in yeah. the same time period, but not yeah. in a western style necessarily. Yeah. Except in the cinematography, I'd say the cinematography is very western. Okay, there's a lot of long establishing shots. Very similar vistas and, su- and stuff like that. Okay. And the, the train and oil and everything. Oh, there's no oil in this movie, I guess, but the, the yeah, train yeah. shots and everything like that, very similar. Um, for name value only, I would say Once Upon a Time at Mexico, which is a very yeah. fun movie. Um, directed or the by TV Robert show Rodriguez. Once Upon a Time. No, there's nothing, nothing <laughs> alike. Um, 
you know, playing on the title, of course. But I mean, yeah. that, that's also a Southern, a Western in its own right in some ways. What other Westerns would you point well, to? Like, would right, you point so, to a True Grit from this? Or would well, you I was about to say, all my recommendations, I thought it through with True Grit. Now, I have not watched either of them. You uh, haven't seen either one? No, I have not. Oh, really? Okay, I've seen the and, new one and I loved it. Yeah, I, and the new one is very different. Uh, I understand that. But so let's let's say that you either don't really know Westerns or, you know, you're like, well, Westerns seem weird. What movie can I jump in on? Like I said, I haven't seen it, but I would say something like The New True Grit. That's just more of a fun film. If you want something more serious, but I think would be a decent in-between, would be Unforgiven. I've not seen that, but I know... It's, I think I know which one. It's Clint Eastwood's. I think it was in the 90s that he made it. It was the one that they were like, here's an Oscar. Congratulations. Go live the rest of your life now. It's really good. It's dark. It's gritty. But, it, I mean, it's a Clint Eastwood film. Probably at some point in your life, most people listening to this have seen something with Clint Eastwood in it. Dirty Harry, I don't know what he's done recently, but probably um, He talked to a chair at the Republican National Convention. <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot all about that. I think that's the most um, <laughs> most talked about thing he's done recently. <laughs> oh, man, that was a thing that happened. That was a thing that really happened oh, in real man. life. Yeah. But anyway, it's not very similar to this movie, except in that, except that I question a lot of the choices made there. But now I want to go back and watch that because it was hilarious. Oh, and how many people thought that was a great move? Okay, anyway, we're not talking about that. Ooh, centering myself. Talked to a chair for like forty minutes. Okay, all right. I think I was out of my system. All right. If you could get past that, I'm, I'm literally crying right now. If you could get past that, Clint Eastwood was a very solid actor in the past. But as if you're looking for, if people are looking for newer stuff, unfortunately there has not been a lot of westerns in the last 15 years or so. I mean, um, you had you had True Grit, you had yeah. the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which I have not seen, but I've heard great things okay. about. You could kind of count Django, kind of. It's I mean, even even yeah. Tarantino and, calls it a southern versus a western. Yeah, I was about to say it's it's a southern, and and we're probably going to be talking about Django in a future uh, episode. future episode. Yes, and my distaste for that movie and my love for that movie. Yes, but anyway, if you want more, see, because my mindset is going back to all the older western stuff. So, like, I don't have a lot of fond memories of my grandfather, but you know, one of them is watching. Bonanza on TV, you know. But I grew up on Bonanza, dude. Yeah, yeah. We're Little House on the Prairie. Just, just the connecting the Michael. Yeah, Landon I was dots. about to say, yeah. So like those were not probably, you know, in retrospect, I don't know how well they'd hold up, but they're still solid. There's a lot of great westerns out there, classic ones people probably heard of, like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I think I mentioned earlier. Definitely give that one a shot. Um, that's the stereotypical three person staring each other down scene. Um, and so there's a lot in film that... Have... Are you referring to a Mexican standoff? Yes, that's okay. what it's called. Okay. I remember there's a name for it, and I couldn't remember what it was. Um, also then Reservoir Dogs. But Reservoir Dogs came from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just connecting, again, six yeah. degrees of and, Kevin yeah, Bacon type Well, thing. that's true. And that's actually one of the beauties of Westerns, is that because Westerns were a lot of the early films, a lot of cinema came out of that. True. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Which is, again, why it's important to understand the, the visual cinematic language exactly. of films like this. I mean, probably more so the traditional westerns than the spaghetti western, but still, these that, are yeah. very influential. Yeah. So, 
And how could we have John Wayne impressions if you know? <laughs> Pilgrim, no. I can do. I cannot do a good John I Wayne impression. I can't do it either. Although I did watch um, Big Trouble in Little China last night, and <laughs> Kurt Russell is practically doing a John Wayne impression for that uh-huh. entire movie. It's really funny. Um, I really like that movie too. I'd never seen it before. That's, that's a, a good, that's a, a side point. Um, we mentioned in passing Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, but absolutely. we can also talk video games. Red Dead Redemption um, for I guess the the, P, uh, the PS3 and the Xbox 360 yeah. both available and. I don't think they ever made a PC version. No, I can't remember if they did or not. Um, but I watched a kid play it when I was living out in Seattle. Um, the house I was living in it had a, a teenager living there, and he was playing through it back then. And I just pretty much watched him play the whole thing. It definitely of the same pace, and it also had that thing Well, where it depends just, how you play it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a sandbox game, so it depends entirely on how you play it. It also never ended, ever. You're like, oh, that's the ending. Nope, that's not the ending. This is the no. That's also not the ending, and it just kept going and going on forever and ever. There and ever. is an ending to the game. It took forever, and it's an awesome ending. Um, I will say, I actually both both the ending and the false ending. I really loved. Yeah. It's a game I've played through entirely, both it and Undead Nightmare, which is the um, expansion DLC. I absolutely <laughs> loved that game. I mean, we should say you brought up an answer before. I grew up loving westerns. I had a cowboy hat. I had my you know plastic <laughs> six gun. I had my yeah. my cowboy boots, etc. And then there just came a point around like seven or eight years old, and you know, I grew up on, on Bonanza and all these things. A certain point where I just went, I don't like Westerns anymore. It was around the same time I was like, I don't like trains anymore. I was big on trains for some reason. <laughs> See, I was the president of the train club in high school. So, <laughs> ladies, you know, hey, how's it going? He, but anyway. he knows how to blow a whistle? Yeah. Well, actually, I have that train whistle still. I had one as a kid. Um, but the point is, I, I then very quickly, for whatever reason, fell out of Westerns, fell out yeah. of love with them. And it's only in the last couple of years with True Grit and Red Dead Redemption that I've started to slowly get back into them. Um, so my knowledge of the Western is not as big as other genres of film that I've fallen in love with. Yeah. But it's starting to grow. And, and like I said, I really did like this movie. Another recommendation that is only tangentially related to this one, but it's another thing I watched on Netflix um, in the last couple months that I found very interesting. It's a documentary called Real Engine. Okay. Um, I-N-J-U-N. Yeah. Focusing on representations of Native Americans in film throughout you know, the history of film. Very interesting documentary that is probably not what you're thinking. It's not just, oh, isn't how film treated Native Americans terrible? It's, isn't it interesting how representations yeah. were different in the 20s, from the 30s, from the 40s to the 50s to the 60s, and how there are... Very disparate views yeah. of all those different representations among modern-day Native Americans, but how it has shaped modern perceptions of Native Americans and even their perceptions of themselves, how John Wayne and John Ford's version changed things versus other movies. This movie had almost no Native Americans in it whatsoever. Yes. There was a couple in the background in a few and, scenes. And if I'm correct, that is more characteristic of Spaghetti Western just because... Foreign, I don't want to say foreigners don't know about name, but like it wasn't something that had like a vested interest in. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's one of the things that the documentary goes into was how we portrayed Native Americans in those different time periods was reflective of how we wanted to view them. Yeah, and help shape those views. So now we want to view them as Johnny Depp. Uh, what we're... Uh, I don't know. That'd be unfortunate. But well, yeah, because he was he was uh, in, in, yeah, yeah in the, the Lone Ranger thing, but. We we often, at least this was the thesis, one of the theses, theses of the film, of the documentary, was we portrayed them in the way we wanted to think of them at the time, whereas yeah. someone who didn't want to have a, didn't need to have a view of, of a different culture 
um, that they were living with in their heads, like you know, Spaghetti Western here, yeah. they didn't have feel any need to really sh- portray that because they yeah. didn't want to make themselves feel better about how they had wiped out a people, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, or, or many groups of peoples, to be more correct. But a very interesting documentary um, that this made me think of, despite the fact that it really didn't have any Native Americans yeah. in it. There was like four. In the beginning, very, very beginning, yeah. There there was that one lady, and then there was a couple guys getting off the train, and a guy yelled something about redskin warriors, which was, I don't know, weird and out of place and never brought up again. Um, Is that it for our recommendations? Do you have anything else? I mean, if you want video games um, that are Western-themed, there are a couple out there. Uh, There's the Call of Juarez series. Uh, There's a couple of them out. And like you said, Red Dead Redemption. There aren't too many. Like, like we said, it's not a big genre. It kind of has some swells a little bit here and there. I don't think we need to recommend it because we've talked about it so much. And you're a nerd because you're listening to this podcast network, uh, Firefly. Oh, okay. Obviously. I thought you were going a different direction. East of West is what I was thinking. Oh, East of West is another good in one comics, if you want to yeah. go in the comic direction. So there's definitely Westerns out there. I would also say Justified. You oh, know, yeah. If you want to talk about TV shows. Also another modern one I would say would be um, No Country for Old Men. Yes. Also very deliberately paced. A lot of similar establishing yeah. shots, that kind of thing. Not so much as, um, say, a, a, There Will Be Blood, but yes. there are a lot, A lot of Westerns. Uh, movies, I would say, are getting away from, I don't want to say the High West, but like the John Wayne image. It's not the cowboy with the hat and the, you know, it's dirtier. It's more the Clint Eastwood style of things. Arguably more realistic. The not glamorized version. The not glamorized version, but I think that has a place too. I mean, but that just might be a nostalgia thing for me. (laughs) I I think that's a solid uh, thought. Uh, Yeah. Another comic I would recommend, even though it has like no similarities to this whatsoever, except for the, having the word cowboy in the title, oh, Cowboy Ninja Viking is a... Yeah, I don't think that's going to have any relation to anything. Is I, I just want to recommend it only because no one knows what this book is, I don't think. Uh, very few people know what Cowboy Ninja Viking is, but I had so much fun with that series and would highly recommend it. Have you ever read it? No. I'll have to lend you my copy sometime. Yes. It is a strange, hilarious, weird book that reads best if you read it beginning to end. Reading it month to month was one of the most confusing comic book experiences I've ever had. Reading it all together, I was like, oh, okay, it does all make sense. It's just, I, it's really easy to forget very major things. But, let's move on to the spoiler yes, portion. because it's one o'clock and I'm tired. <laughs> it is very early in the morning. So, uh, spoiler portion. Um, Harmonica has been hunting Frank. Yeah. We don't know why until, like, the very is end. Is that what he's credited as? Just Harmonica? Is that his name? On Wikipedia, he's called Harmonica. He's ever only okay. ever called Harmonica or Harmonica Man in the film. Okay. Or, or Harmonica at one point. Harmonica. But the man with no name in this movie. Yeah. Um, Harmonica. I think you were calling him Mr. Harmonica at one point. <laughs> but uh, when he was young, yeah, Frank was had... brutal. Frank hung his brutal. brother and made him stand underneath of his brother so he was balancing his brother on his shoulders, his yeah. older brother. And basically as long as he could. And he was a young guy. He was probably like 14, 15, something like that. And uh, Frank stuffed this harmonica in his mouth and said, you know, play something sweet for your brother or something like that. Until he finally gave out and couldn't hold up his brother Well, no, it looked like his brother kicked him. Yeah, I I think that's true. And his brother brother didn't want that, literally, that weight on his shoulders. So harmonica has been hunting down Frank. Um, We should say Charles Bronson plays harmonica and Henry Fonda plays... um, Please, Frank. Yeah. He's been hunting him for years and years and years, and they keep running into each other in this movie. Frank keeps asking him, what's your name? And he keeps giving him the names of people that Frank has killed, yeah. and then eventually shoot, it kills him in a shootout. 
towards the end. We've also got Cheyenne, who is a wanted man, who's a criminal, with maybe the, a heart yeah. of gold, but maybe not. Let's say the character in red, the very gray area character, yeah. And then we have the widow McBain, um, Joe McBain, I forget what her maiden name was. She is a prostitute from New Orleans. Which I didn't pick up on. But it, it is it is made clear. It didn't help. It didn't hurt that I read the Wikipedia article as well. Yeah, like you cheated. <laughs> but it, no, it is said very clearly okay, in the movie, and yeah. you, you, I think you were answering a text during the time. Um, ah, spoilers. But uh, that I enter texts during movies that we're supposed to be watching. Yeah. Um, you were talking. I'm uh, cheating. I'm just messing. Well, I guess we should say there's water under this land. Like yeah. the only drinkable water. I thought water they were going to go a long while. I thought they were going to go black gold because they were talking about gold and the money and there being money somewhere. Um, and I thought they were going to go Texas T direction, but no. But remember, oil not as prevalent maybe as exactly steam, which I didn't steam pick up on. Yeah. So it's the only water around, and the train is going to come. The, the, the Transcontinental Railroad is coming yeah. right through this area. So the her husband, before he was her husband, bought this land a long time ago. Saw the train was coming through there, and decided he was going to make his fortune by basically setting up a town there. Yeah. Frank and Morton who are the two main villains, they discover this. They, they're they the ones who killed uh, Mr. McBain and his yeah. kids. They framed Cheyenne for it, so Cheyenne wants revenge on them. I also wouldn't say Morton... I wouldn't use the word villain for Morton. Uh, I mean, he's... He wanted he's certainly to scare more sympathetic them off the than property. Frank. Yeah, he wanted to scare them off the That's property. true. He didn't want them dead. Frank no. just killed them on his own. Yeah. He, he didn't want anyone to die. He just wanted to see the Pacific Ocean. You know, he's the crippled... You know, rich individual that you know wanted the railroad to be clean, to com- be completed and kind of got sucked into. This. He's still a bad guy, but he's not as bad as Frank. He's yeah, he's greedy. He's not villainous. Sure, I mean he doesn't get his hands dirty. Let's yeah, put it that way until um, the very end when they're covered in mud. Yes, yes. So that's the whole thing. There's water under the land. Everybody wants land because there's water. It's not revealed till later. Yeah. And the thing is, they've got to have a station built by the time the railroad gets there or for some reason they will lose the land. I don't know who this yeah. contract is with. Or how Harmonica magically knows all this. Yeah, well, he said he found some papers. but he I found guess found some papers. I guess while trying to find Frank and something like that and finding was working with Warren. I don't know. So let's get into Jill. Like I said, she's an ex-prostitute. She married Mr. McBain in secret mm-hmm. um, a month before this and then she's going to be drive the train out to, I guess they were in Arizona, I think. I was trying to figure Arizona, It looked Colorado. like Arizona was written on one of the sides of the buildings in okay. the town. I couldn't make it out for sure. Um, and it could might not have even been what's Arizona today. I don't know. It's an official town of Flagstone. Yeah. I think Flagstone's Flagstone. a very traditional western town fake name. I think you're thinking of Jellystone. Jellystone. I don't know what From that Yogi? is. From Yogi? Yogi Bear? Oh, that's right. <laughs> the cartoons about alcoholics. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, no, that's what it is. Yogi Bear is a thinly veiled alcoholic. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, he's, he's what, Morton from the Honeymooners, basically. Is it Morton? Was he? Norton. Norton. Norton from the Honeymooners, yeah. not Morton. I had Morton in my head from this movie. So, Jill's coming out there to meet her husband and meet their kids for the first time, or her stepkids for the first time. They're killed before she gets there. And then, first she's like, I'm gonna stay, and then... The next day, she's like, I'm not staying. I'm yeah. leaving. She's like, well, I can't find money. Guess I'm out. I, I guess that's what it was. Yeah. But then Frank kidnaps her. He then... Rapes big, her. Well, but question marks on either side rapes her? 
because she seems to be into it, which, like, and I don't mean, like, she seems to be relenting. She's not like Bonchica Wow Wow. She yeah. kind of is. She's kind of yeah. seems to be into but, it. it was but he strange. also said, like, you'll do anything to save your own skin, and she's like, yeah, pretty much. So then he's going to force her to sell the land at an auction that he's going to rig, basically, by by threatening anyone else who would, who yeah. would, who would um, try to get money. But the sexual politics of this movie I was about to say, you wanted to get so strange. First of all, like, this scene right there is, is a prime example where, okay, I don't, I don't, uh, I feel like I'd be going into the direction of slut-shaming if I'm being like, you don't do what you want to do. If she wants to do that, fine. But the guy's, like, threatening her life in that yeah. scene. Even if you have no problem having sex with him, it's still really strange. Yeah, this dude murdered your husband, he's threatening to kill you for your land. Like, none of it screams, yeah. None of it screams consent, but everything you're doing does, which is weird. Um, Then the film in general, there's no nudity, but there's... Close, yeah. For for almost every scene she's on screen, there's almost nudity. And even the quote-unquote heroes of the movie are very... Forward? Forward... And skirting the line of being... Yeah, and ripping the lace off her clothes. Like, she is... Like I said, there's no nudity, but there are... Might as well be for a lot of this movie where I was just like, I don't know if this is a 1968 thing. I don't know if this is a Italian thing. I don't know if it was just... The cinematographer for this movie really liked uh, the upper chest area of a woman, (laughs) which, don't get me wrong, don't blame him. But, I, th- I feel like the majority of guys do. But it was just strange and things she was told to do. Like, uh, what the Cheyenne's like, you know, go give the men water. Yeah. They're going to grab your butt, but just act like it didn't happen and it'll be fine. And then he does it. And then she, that whole thing threw me because I thought he was telling her to do that right then so she wouldn't hear the gunshots. I thought it was him trying to protect but it her wasn't. from that. It was not because she didn't do that till after all that. That was confusing. And not only did she... I mean, it doesn't happen on camera, but she sleeps with the villain. Yeah. He forces himself on her, kind of. But then she also seems perfectly open to the advances of both quote-unquote heroes, yet nothing ever happens yeah, there. Yeah, because you're like, okay, so she's going to end up with... Not Kanye. Cheyenne. Uh, Cheyenne. <laughs> yes, Kanye West is in this movie as a fetus. <laughs> um, it's disturbing. But, um, yeah, and you're like, alright, so she's gone for the older dude, and he's all like, yeah, but I'm not the right guy, because I think he even says that. She's like, you know, you could live here, and he's like, eh. I'm not the right man for you, and neither is he, meaning Harmonica. Yeah, and neither then he, he the walks right in the back door, walks through, grabs something off the hook, and starts walking out the front door. And you're like, alright, bye Harmonica, you know, you could totally have this lady for forever and be rich, but okay, bye. Like, what else are you going to do? I mean, even Inigo Montoya had to pick up a business after the revenge, you know? So, uh, it was weird. And it, But it's just, and there's, I don't want to say leering shots of her, but it's, yeah. I, I feel like they almost were. Her in the tub, her, again, with really low-cut, off-the-shoulder things, yeah. which, kind of, again, I don't got any problem with it, but it was it seemed strange. odd, yeah. And, and there was this whole thing with her hair the whole time. As in, you know, as she gets more comfortable, she lets her hair down more to the very end when it's just in a ponytail, as opposed to that weird up thing that she had the whole time. She had a lot of hair. Yeah. But, so that was strange, but, again, I don't really, 
I don't really have the context to go why it was strange or why it might have not been strange at the yeah. time or in that st- style of movie. So the sexual politics aside, the, the attention to detail, like the fly and the gun barrel in the beginning. That, yeah, the the sound was off, obviously, but even still, that was very detailed. funny. Yeah, it was funny. Oh, even when he's because he, he's too lazy to blow it off his lip or mo- flick it off his lips, so he's like. <laughs> And then just hits his face, and they're like, "Wow, that was that was a lot of detail. This is taking ten minutes to do this whole thing, but it's kind of amusing in the meantime." And then the other guy who looks like Lance Reddick and um, Yul Brenner's love child. Yeah, I was about to say he's got like water dripping quite, on his head. You couldn't quite quite tell if he was African American or Native American or like a blend in between. It was very interesting. But he really did look like both Yul Brenner and Lance Reddick, yeah. not just because he had a shaved head, but very similar facial yeah. features in the, the the narrow jaw. Yeah, like. Again, it was more long, deliberate stuff, setting up that they were, you know, waiting for... They weren't going to be deterred and, and yeah. waiting. <laughs> what was with... I want to call him the cab driver, but... What was his name? Bill or something? They I gave his like name Sam. once. Sam. Sam actually sounds right. He was annoying. Well, he was the weird, alcoholic old man. You know, like, what do you what do you want from him? I mean... And then you had the, the bartender. The creepy, I thought creepy bartender. Where he clearly, like, starts down at her feet and checks her out the entire way up before talking to her. And I'm like, But wow. at the same time, he seemed like a really nice guy, just with no sense of boundaries. Yeah, I guess, yeah. The, the world's most poorly lit bar, by the way. Well, yeah, I mean... Like, like it's not just beyond mood lighting, it was just... It was a trade post. There, yeah, it was a trade post. You had a lot of characters in this movie, particularly recurring ones, mm-hmm. but, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but just, it was interesting to see who they kept bringing back, like the guy who looked kind of like Jack Black, who eventually yeah. revealed he had a bigger part in things. <laughs> Which reminds me, how did Cheyenne get to the top of the train? Oh, yes. There's this sequence, <laughs> there's this sequence in the, in the movie where Morton, who's the rich businessman, yeah. the not-as-evil bad guy, Arguably, he's he's got his own train, which good for him, I guess. Um, I did not even consider that a concept, but I guess it is. It's just you know an engine and like two cars or maybe three. But he holds all his meetings on there. He refuses to leave the train. He hasn't got, from what I understood, he hasn't gotten off the train since the Atlantic. He's not going to get off it again into the Pacific. That's yeah. his goal. So he's on this train and he conducts all his business meetings there. Many of them underhanded. And then at one point, who's on the train first? I guess it's Harmonica's on top of the train. Yeah, so Harmonica's on top of the train. He's followed Jack Black lookalike. Yeah, they're in the middle of the desert. They catch him, bring him on board, and tie him up. And when they kick Jack Black lookalike off, he sees um, Cheyenne underneath the train. Cheyenne's like, and then Jack, then Jack Black. Black gets shot in his suspenders and belt buckle, which is hilarious. <laughs> and a callback to earlier, like, they're talking about you can't trust the guy who wears both suspenders and a belt because you can't even trust his pants. pants. Yes. Um, and then he gets shot up, and then the train starts moving again, and next thing you know, uh, Cheyenne's on the top of the train. And you're like, how did that happen? Yeah. Like, what kind of mad scientist physics are you doing to, like, rotate yourself to the top of the train? And then later he's on the bottom of the train again, and then he's on the top, I think, as well. Or he, then he's, like, behind the train. And then he climbs all over the train. Yeah, it's just ma- train magic. <laughs> and then he's dangling upside down off the train, tapping on the glass. I don't know what he's holding on to or what his, his feet are grasping. <laughs> That's a good because point. Because he's just tapping on there with both hands, and you're like, okay, Sure. Sure, you you do that thing. And it was just weird. But again, really like this movie. It worked. It was it worked. funny in a lot of places. It could have had a good half an hour to 45 minutes to even an hour yep. chopped. But again, I understand what it was doing. 
Yeah, I know. It sounds like we're slamming this movie. But we're not. I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Even if, for all its faults, it was still a good movie. So, um, Is there anything else we want to say about it? No, because I'm tired and it's one thirty. It's one thirty in the morning. I need to edit the podcast. It should have gone yes. up an hour and a half ago. I have to be up at like early tomorrow. So I think that's it for this episode of Jersey Shore's Netflix pick. Um, for our next pick, it's my choice. Mm-hmm. I just watched this movie. We even mentioned it earlier in the episode, but I enjoyed it so much. I think I'm going to pick it anyway. A Big Trouble in Little China. It's available on Netflix. I'd never seen it before yesterday. I've... One of the dumbest movies I've ever Mm -hmm. seen, I'd say, but I really enjoyed it. Another movie where it was a lot of choices of me, choices they made where I went, what? Unlike this movie, they didn't then end up making sense, a lot of them. Nope. It was more just for comedy effect. But uh, yeah, Big Trouble in Little China, I think it's going to be our next pick. So this has been Jersey Shore. I'm Jordan from Jersey. I'm Pierce from Jersey. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening to Jersey Shore. You can contact us at jordan at legionofdudes.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N at legionofdudes.com. Or follow me on Twitter at Jordan F-R-M Jersey.